Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Um, I feel you, computer. I um, feel you. Let me see your sweatshirt. Oh, it says don't. Now listen. I love it. It is not my mood of the day. Oh. Usually I like to dress according to my mood. Okay. My mood is not don't because it's Virgo season. And, and Your Virgo birthday season. Thursday Friday? Uh, Friday, yeah. Woohoo! Also Kelly McAdams' birthday. You and guys have the same birthday? Yeah, same exact birthday. What and Russell's hell? is, I think it's like on the 19th. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love um, Virgos. Libras and Virgos get along splendidly. Okay. Do you have any other Virgos in your life? Um, my old um, boss used to be a Virgo. That the one that I actually really liked at Lutheran Social Services, and uh-huh. a lot of my work uh, people have been Virgos, just like coworkers, uh-huh. and we get along really good. So Virgos to me are like if Scorpios took their medication. <laughs> so and I, and and scorpios hate i hate when i i mean like i've i've gotten so much flack for like i have such trouble with scorpio women such trouble i mean doesn't everybody well i don't know some people love them a scorpio i scorpio women are like uh for me as if uh i would rather be trapped in an elevator with um a monster than a Scorpio woman. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just, wow. my, my, my old roommate um, from way back was a Scorpio and she did some really crazy shit. Like the most oh, passive the aggressive shit I have ever seen in a human being in my life. And I, I, I was like, and then subsequently I've met Scorpio women who I'm like, Oh, this is all the same you're mm-hmm. all the same person. What is happening mm-hmm. here? So like mm-hmm. things that are just kryptonite to me and also things I need to work on, but like, um, uh, passive aggressiveness in terms of like dealing with a passive aggressive person. Some people like don't take passive aggressive people seriously. They're able to be like, Oh, that person's passive aggressive. I'm like, yes. Oh my God, they're going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to run for my life. And then, um, their feedback is really hard for me to take. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I have a, I have a real fear and it's, and, and I remember I was in a a play and we were talking about that and I said out loud, like, oh my God, I have not thinking someone was probably a Scorpio. I was like, I have such problem with Scorpio women. And this Scorpio woman goes, what's your problem? And I was like, oh, you're a Scorpio (laughs) woman. This is. And I wanted to be like, this is my problem. But I was just like, oh, I just, I really find you terrifying. She was like, what, why? And I was like, well, here's the tone. That's the tone. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, Virgos, not that. So Virgos have this, for me, the same kind of, um, they're more, okay, like Scorpios, the control issue seems so great. And Virgos, the control issue, they, in my um, in my 
experience, they use the control issue to get organized rather than terrorize other people. Right, <laughs> like right, 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 right. So, Wait, was your mother a Scorpio? No, they were all, oh, okay. my mom and dad were Aquarians and um, like just no my mother my no my, you would think my mother she was maybe her rising uh, or her moon was scorpio yeah. because she was so scorpio she was not they were neither of them my dad was more of an aquarian but in any case it's your birthday week it's virgo it's virgo season it's my birthday week the big four six are you are you <laughs> i always i thought i've been four six so there you go um what are you are you gonna do something anything a party like dinner with your fam? I'm not going to do a party, but I'm sure we'll have dinner or something. Yeah. I mean, Friday is a nice day. And actually, Aaron's taking the day off, so that'll be good. So we'll do something. Um, I was going to ask you, how did your kiddo's self-tape go? Oh, it went just fine. Great. Yeah, thank you for your help with that. Yeah, for those of you listening, um, yeah, I called Boz because we had to do a self-tape with no dialogue. And not only no dialogue, uh, he was supposed to be in a fist fight with a bunch of people it just seems like really no. i mean my thing is like why right. you could either just ask for a full body slate of which they did too or have him read something else that's not for the part i i just don't understand like everybody looks stupid punching the air pretending like they're fighting a bunch of people it's not it, it, it you're so right and i think all that is needed there and this is just like my you know soapbox about the industry all that's needed is a little extra attention to detail one sentence in there please give us a shot of facial reactions as if this person was watching or afraid or in a fight uh, watching a fist fight because that's really what they're looking for is to, you said it a full body slate to see what their body looks like and their facial reactions i mean you, yeah. it is all that's needed is a sentence like all that's and i feel like that a lot about um i feel like i'm not an actor anymore which is a whole nother which is okay but like when i because now talking about it i'm like i, I haven't had an audition in a really long time but like i just that's feel not true you you have auditions all the time well I, I mean, you've had you had an audition a couple weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, ago. Yeah, I guess in my head, I sort of have like. I mean, when I talk to other actors, they're like, since the pandemic, I've had two auditions. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that's not my experience. Okay, so good perspective, good perspective. But like, I, I, when I listen to, um, when I think about acting and casting and stuff like that, now I'm like okay, like, how can we make it easier for the actors? And how can we, so when you and I are writing something that gets produced or when I'm doing something else, like, I don't know, writing in a writer's room or something, it's like, how can we make people's jobs easier and not yeah, harder and more, you know? Because guess what? If you make anybody's job easier, everybody's job is easier. Which is something that I I, I think is so fundamentally true that we are just missing and I think it's end stage capitalism again of like no 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 actually if you if if you help one person the whole the whole team thrives this is not what capitalism is is based on so so um yeah and and Miles was talking about you know um, my husband was talking about the um 
like elections and things like that. And I, and, and global, we were talking about global warming crisis. And I just, you know, like, it always comes down to like, we tried, like some of us tried and some of us are trying, but like humans on planet earth, especially in the West gave it a shot. And maybe, maybe the, you know, the planet is kicking us off and we're, how long can you stick around in a place and treat it so poorly on so many levels before you're kicked out of the club, you know, like we're getting kicked yeah. out of the club here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, I don't know. and this is the part of the whole handmaid's tale story, which is so wild to think about um, because the premise, the conceit that they've adopted in the movie, which is not in the book or the television show, which is not in the book is that all of this was done in part in an effort to heal the planet. Like they did actually successfully reverse the impacts of climate change, at least from the Gilead. Right. Um, but at, at what cost? And I, I hope it's not trying to say, I hope it's trying to make that complicated argument and not say, Hey, if you want the climate to get better, everybody oh has to go into sexual servitude. I don't think they're trying to say that, but it's, no, I don't either. But it ends up feeling like that. It ends up feeling like in order for us pigs to stop behaving the way we're behaving, we'd have to do something so outside of our comfort zone, which it's true. I mean, yeah. let's just hope it's not something that's also let's, let's hope dehumanizing. Yeah, let's hope it's electric vehicles across the board yeah. rather right, than right. sexual slavery. Um, do you ever read um, or do you follow on Twitter like any of the positive news accounts? No. However, I have been watching a tremendous amount of dog rescue stories um oh really like like it really helps me well now that i have a dog and i buy dog products you know the 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 social medias know all that so they send me all these stories and i really take comfort in the and this was the same way actually when my mom was dying same thing of like the radical stories of change and and um healing that can occur and this happens to be within dogs because that's what they're sending me videos of but like i love the idea of taking something that seems um what is it irredeemable or like like you cannot save unsavable and then it becomes this amazing creature so i find those really really like the dog on the side of the road that you're like oh that dog is gonna die and gonna bite your face off in the process and with patience and love the dog what they don't show you is the countless sleepless nights and the craziness that they endure the 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 trainers and owners but the dog becomes a a very very loving part of their pack you know so i've been watching that but i what are you talking about news story like there's feel good oh yeah you could just yeah yeah you can follow like when they say this team of scientists have figured out how to re-engineer a type of um what's otherwise a naturally occurring bacteria that eats carbon dioxide you know that kind of stuff but actually since you brought up the whole thing about the traumatized dog i will just say that that speaks to the fact that dogs like people have neural plasticity and so yes you can be extremely abused um and recover yes but it's it's such a concerted effort it's it's it takes 
no less than 100% of probably multiple people's time, love, caring, and attention because it's just a learned, I mean, it's just a response to a learned, right? I mean, it's just a response to a habitual thing that has happened. So this, in the case of a dog, every time a human approaches me, something as bad is going to happen. If that happened 1 million times, then it would have to be 2 million, right. 2 million times that, that the opposite happens. Right. Absolutely. So, it just comes down to being something that's yet more work, but it's really good news for humans that, that, you know, well, thank God. Yeah. Even if you came from an extremely traumatized upbringing or experienced PTSD from combat or from whatever, um, you, it's terrible and you can recover, recover from it. And I think that's, yeah, that gives me a lot of hope for also for like disorders that like you treated like bipolar, I mean, uh, borderline personality and by, but mostly I'm thinking personality disorders where they're like, there's no coming back from this was once the thought or people are like they're lost causes. And I think we need, I need anyway, stories now of like, oh yeah, we thought this was a lost cause and, and actually Mm -hmm. it wasn't a lost cause, which is like crazy yes because isn't that at the core of when we when we're worried about at this age when we're we're worried that something is too late that's what we're really saying it's like it's a lost cause there's no point in even trying because the window of of opportunity has closed first of all i don't know why we think we know what the window of opportunity is right we could get hit by a bus tomorrow right, right. you know like it, it, there's really no say it, it's not a good way to make decisions based on like no. okay well if i'm 46 uh you know the odds of me doing x right. y and z are slim so i just won't do it that that's not a good way to make a decision no it's really not and 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 it's all relative, you know, like, so I think that's why we need those stories of like the person that goes back to school at 78 and the person that, you know, those are important. And I, I think that's why doom and gloom all the time is just so, to me, it's just so unattractive. Like there are people that are just like the, the, the doom and gloom all the time that I cannot, uh, it's just, yeah. Like you said, like, what is the point? What, what, then what is the point? Then what is the point? You know? And I, I think that there's always, there's always got to be a glimmer of hope, you know, but, um, yeah, there's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. And, and I am also very actively this year, I think for the first time taking a real proactive approach to staving on staving off seasonal affective disorder. What are you doing? Really plagues me. Just making sure to get in my 30 minutes of exercise, trying to um, talk to myself about it. Like, cause I think the thing that has happened to me in the past is I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. So I tell myself maybe it won't happen this year. And then I feel completely underwater and then when you're depressed is not a time where you can necessarily do a great job of helping yourself out of your depression. It's much easier if you cope ahead or, you know, That's so if true. you plan for these things. So whatever, drinking my water. I bought this little, these little packets of, I, you know, I, I hate, I love and hate vegetables. I yeah. really try to eat a lot of vegetables. Sometimes yeah. I just feel like I'm a cow chewing its yeah. cud. Yeah. So I got these little, I don't know if it works. I'd love to hear from anybody who has a point of view about this. These little packets, like you 
put this little packet into your water yeah. and it's like your it's like your greens. It's the equivalent of your greens nutrients. I say try it. I mean what what is I mean, I, I am not all gonna about hurt making life easier in terms of that kind of stuff. And it's not gonna hurt. And just do it. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, did I tell you I went and got all my labs done? Yes, and your your blood is perfect. Yeah, except I am low on vitamin D. So, so have you had your labs done lately? No, and actually, vitamin D—that's the thing you have to be careful of. Yeah. So I, I think that part of my—I had been—I mean, look, I had a new dog and all this, and I have—I had family in town that was like a tornado. But I also think that my fatigue, some of it was caused. I'm so quick to think that my stuff is emotional. Like so quick. And then it's your fault. (laughs) My fault. I'm doing something wrong. I don't have boundaries. I'm a people pleaser. Like that's where my defaults, like that is where I go. And I'm like, well, okay. But there's also this whole plethora of internal shit that's going on in our bodies that we have no control. Even if you know, like I'm like taking really good care of my health, but my vitamin D is low and I'm out in the sun all the time, slathered in sunscreen, but I'm out in the sun. It's still low because of menopause and because of life. So I had to start taking an extra thousand mil, like a little pill a a day. And she was like, this just happens to women as we get older. And I'm like, oh, that never would have crossed my mind. I would have thought I'm fatigued because I'm, I'm not taking care of myself in some way. She's like, yes. stop. And you, stop. you said something that really helped me, which was when my fir- my heart thing was first diagnosed, you're like, a lot of this is genetic. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, mm-hmm. I am so, I am so, I, and I think this is a bootstrap, you know, a meritocracy, <laughs> a, a meritocracy. Uh, but that idea of like, no, no, it's not your levels in your body. It's something you're doing wrong. So the default it. in your character. Right. And my doctor and you have said like, okay, your dad and mom had a pl- like so many problems physically because they were human and because they didn't take care of themselves and because of their genetics. I never knew. And teeth are a huge part of that, like teeth. And we place so much emphasis right on how we look and teeth in this, in, in our society, not in Britain, by the way, if you watch any of their television shows, but in any, especially their reality shows, I'm like, Oh no, there needs to be a reality I, show just about the fluoride problem. in Great yeah, Britain. right. There's no, that's, there's no fluoride in their water. Is it's, that not, the problem is? it's not their fault, but man, I watched some British shows like crime shows and I'm like, Oh, the, the true crime here is your teeth, my friend. But anyway, so, 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 um, yeah, so teeth and we, a lot of people have so much shame about their teeth, right? It's like, my dentist was saying, it's like 90% genetic with teeth and like, oh, yeah. you could take the best care of your teeth and that shit could still fall out. And it's because your fucking parents and their parents, parents, and their had shitty teeth and I'm like oh my god we need to like instill this yeah. in people and also it's only been like one maybe two generations that we've had this obsession with like perfect straight white, white teeth, teeth. I, yeah I just, so we need I, to let that go we need to let that go hey let me run this by you so, talking about making assumptions that everything is your fault or that you're the cause yeah. of everything bad. I have a cute little story. So I listen to Sue O'Lear's podcast, yes. the strongly worded podcast, shout out Sue and Johnny, her Johnny. co-host was Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so she was telling this story 
actually she wasn't really telling the story she was just oh, making like a casual reference she said to him you know that podcast i listened to um blah 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 i hate I, I I listen to it, but I hate listening to it because these ladies are talking and talking and they think they're doing this, you know, service to everybody, but they're not. And they're, and they're just these privileged and I'm listening to it going, oh my God, she's talking us? about us. That's hilarious. So I went through a whole thing. I felt embarrassed and angry and humil I went through just this complete roller coaster of emotions. I mean in the 10 minutes uh, sure, that no, I'm sitting no, in my you car. You didn't like write a memoir, right? I thought I should call you. I and then I went, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute." <laughs> First of all, <laughs> the chances that this is about me as if we're the only people who have it's a podcast, two, two women who have a podcast, right? As if we're the only one that she listens to that right. has two women. As if, as if, as if. And I said, you know, I I think the thing to do here is really to check the facts. Because there was, I went, I tried to figure out what she was talking about from what she was saying, but I, I couldn't get the info. So I just messaged her on Facebook and I was like, hey, this is weird, but blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh my God, did you think I would? She goes, did you really think I was talking about you? Turns out she was talking about this podcast where people are talking about, it sounds like a little bit of a Gwyneth Paltrow thing. Like sure. all you need is sure. just $4,000 multivitamin right. Right. and you'll be fine. Right. And That's I just, amazing. it was progress for yes, me. because you that shit out. Usually I don't check the facts. If it used to be progress that I would even like say it out loud. I used to just have this entire shame party just inside of myself and then be upset and act out. And then nobody could, you know, nobody who loves me knew why. Right. Right. (laughs) So I stopped doing that a while ago and I just recently started checking the facts and I recommend it highly because usually it's not about you. No, no. And this is a great, 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 great reminder. I, I need this so much in my life of check the facts. Also take it to the nth degree, right? For me, and you've said this, like, and then what, and then what uh, on the podcast, get to the, the truth. It's like, if someone is, and then what? Someone's mad at me. And then what? I'm ashamed. And then what? I feel nothing. And then what? I don't exist. Okay. So you're dead basically, or you don't exist or you're not important. You're not. So for me, that's where I go. If someone's mad at me, it's the end of the world. I have to get way better, way better. At, and I think most, a lot of us do, I don't know, at, at, at being okay. If people don't like what we say, how I say it, um, and, and if they really don't and they come to me with it, then we can have a conversation about it. But if they don't come to me with it and I'm they uh, I'm making up that they hate me or like one, it's probably not about me. But even if it is about me, like that's the thing, like I'm going to we're going to have meetings. I'm going to have meetings with people that are going to love me. I'm going to have a meeting with someone who's going to be like, not for me. She's a blankety blank. They could say anything. A space alien, a garbage truck. They could say anything. I got to be able to carry on and soldier on and say, that doesn't mean that my, my work isn't good. That doesn't mean that I'm not good. That is the crux of my whole journey is like, 
And it, I mean, it's so obvious. It's like my mom would literally say to us, you don't exist to me. She would say that when she was mad at us. Oh yeah. When I would try wow. to, when my mom was mad at me and I would try to talk to her and I'm talking, I'm like 10 years old and I would be like, Hey, I'm sorry. I lost my jacket, right? My J crew jacket that she spent. And it was a lot of money. I'm not saying it wasn't a lot of money, but I lost it and I couldn't find it and blah, blah, blah. And I would say, I'm so sorry that I lost my jacket. And she would say, I don't want to talk to you. You don't exist to me right now at 10. So wow. that's where this comes from. It's not about, Oh, it's just a complete direct cause it's, it's not even like a euphemism. Like she literally said, she literally said you don't exist to me. And so, and so that is where I go immediately. And even if, even if someone says to me, you don't exist to me, which they, if they said now, I'd be like, oh, you're psychotic. But or you're, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, okay. But even if they say that, I have to be like, well, that's okay because I exist to me and I'm going to keep doing my thing. That's where I'm not there yet. But I think checking the facts is part of that process and saying, all right, all right, before you go there, let's check the facts. Okay, this person, they passed on your script. They don't want to work with you. They didn't hire you. They didn't pick you for the job. They don't want to be your friend. You know, um, they're not following the rules that you want them to follow. Whatever it is, I got to be okay. At least after 10 minutes, maybe it takes a half an hour, maybe it takes a day to soldier on and do the thing that I need to do regardless of if someone publicly, like, let's say she did publicly shame us without saying our names. Like, yeah. let's say someone does it, it, it like it goes online yeah. as like, this is a piece of shit. That's going to happen probably if we put yourself out there. Right. I mean, actually that's a sign that you're getting somewhere is that right. people who literally have no connection to you whatsoever are listening right. to your thing. And so to see it like that is a very adult sort of integrated way to see it and it's like how can I get there you know to that place of well at least they're talking about us at least they're talking about me that's a good thing they're you know um it's really a mature it's a mature point to get to versus um I want to fix that so they like it yeah, I mean, and you could just spin your wheels forever trying to run around and convince everybody why they shouldn't hate you or why they should think you're great. And it doesn't it's work. A, it doesn't work. It's a waste of your time and it makes you feel bad. If it worked, it would, like I said this in the manifesto, like it would have worked. If people pleasing worked, we'd be famous and rich and happy and thin and beautiful and, and um, at peace in that world, in that wacko yeah. world. It doesn't, I'm here to say, I've tried it my whole life, 45 years, almost 46. I, I, I can't tell you that. Um, I can tell you that I've never, ever, 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 when I come from a place of please like me, please pick me, please choose me out of desperation, the shit doesn't work. I wish it did, ladies and gentlemen, because we'd done, all be. You've done the research, and your conclusion is your conclusion data, is your hypothesis that it would work was wrong. No, no, it's, it's failed miserably. Yes. I can tell you more than I know anything on this planet. I know that 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 mm -hmm. people pleasing and trying to fix, manage, and control other people's reactions to me and my work and my life, and it, it's an absolute zero. And even when you think it works. It works temporarily and the people never trust you because you're just doing it to get them to like you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which people inherently don't have respect for. In fact, 
it doesn't work so much that I'll tell you that the inverse is true. It better actually works when you don't care about what anybody thinks to the point that you're a sociopath. I'm listening to the, cause Elizabeth Holmes Theranos oh, trial. You is, turned me on to that whole thing. That is fantastic. Yes. Yes. So um, the podcast called the dropout mm -hmm. that I listened to whenever it was like three years ago, I think when it came out, they're now publishing new episodes because of the trial and this bitch, I mean, she just waltzes around San Francisco. She's married. She married a rich guy. There's this great story in the podcast of a guy who used to work in the company, like a pretty high up guy um, who he and his entire family were completely devastated by the exposing of, of her and the company. Sure. And he lost it. He, he had shares and he lost everything, whatever. And he's sitting out to dinner with his wife and he notices somebody looking at him and he looks up and it's her and she she didn't stand out to him at first because she wasn't wearing her black turtleneck and she was wearing like a hoodie or whatever anyway she comes over just as casual as can be and says hey oh my god it's so great to see you hey listen i'd love to have coffee with you i'd love for you guys to be back in my life and this guy says i'm so flabbergasted you know like i don't know what to say i could barely manage to just basically give her no response to you know do you want to have coffee with me and he just couldn't believe like to him he's still sitting in the actually in the shame yes. and the devastation Devastated. of it all yes and for this other person to act like nothing happened i who, mean that's why she the got away with it for the devastation i mean like she's the evil she's the evil force and she just waltzes in and says hey hi she's not shameful she's not hiding she's not running screaming from the bar hiding from him she fucking approaches him <sighs> what in I the mean. she like cuts it off at the past she's like oh you're gonna you think you're gonna shame me oh no 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 i'm gonna just waltz in and swoop in and take you off guard and what in the hell or worse she has no idea that anybody could feel any shame about this because she doesn't feel any shame about anything because she's a true sociopath and this is why she got as far as she did. And frankly, this is why she will probably not go to jail, go to jail yep. and serve a short sentence, yep. go to jail and write a book and become yep. a millionaire anyway. Yep. Like it, it's just, it's, it never, yeah. it's so fascinating. I think part of why we love cults and stuff is we really can't relate to the, the person that you have to be to make a cult work. Like it's, it's, it's just like a specimen and we might as well be at the circus watching a specimen right. of like unbridled uh, lack right. of shame. And I think that that's, yes, for me, that is the, yes, that is the opposite, right. Of who I am and how I grew up. And it is so tantalizing to think that that's possible. And it's like, they're doing on, uh, for me, I'll speak for myself. Like these cult leaders are doing with which a part of me wishes I could do, right. Which is say, I'm going to do what I want to do. You're all going to follow me because I'm so charismatic and, um, I'm going to feel no shame about anything and just fucking live my life and be rich. And there's a part of me that thinks that's so awesome. Now, of course, there's a part of me that knows that that's so horrific to other people, but we've swung in such the other, I'll say for myself, I've swung in such the other people pleasing direction at times that 
it feels like freedom to run a cult, like and not give a yes. shit and tell right. people, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. You're going to do this. I get to wear what I want. Look what I want. I'm going to, she changed her voice. I'm going to change my voice and you're still going to buy into me. What in the fuck? So let's do a thought experiment. What? Okay. So the problem with most sociopaths, I mean, the ones that we hear about, the notorious ones. They kill people. If they <laughs> kill people and they ruin people's lives. In the cases of like the Ted Bundy's of the world, it's because they experienced such severe trauma. I don't think that was Elizabeth Holmes' case. I think no. her case may... I, it may have been that um, she was kind of shunned socially right. And, right. She, and she was really smart and her parents really gave her this idea that she could be anything she wanted to right. be. So so she had like some some actually pretty good protective factors. What would it take or what would it look like if you could know at birth that somebody has this sociopathy gene? And how could you as caregivers, you know, harness it for some because the the thing that's really valuable is the charisma i mean we as a society do look to leaders of all stripes to tell us what to do and in fact if in in any given situation where there is no leader where a natural leader doesn't emerge it makes people very anxious sure so we have to always find a leader yes we have to always find somebody to look toward and there probably are people who exist in this world who are that they're the good sociopath. Like right. they're they're sure. because they don't care about what other people think of them. They're able to achieve a lot and they, they achieve something that's really helpful for society. Sure. But isn't that interesting to think about what would it, what could imagine what good we could do. Right. I mean, you'd get the, the more of the, I, I would say like, you know, it's interesting because I, I keep thinking of these examples like Martin Luther King Jr. Da, 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 and then you find out all oh, they beat their wives. I don't know if he did, but there's like rumor, you know, he, I, no, he cheated. He cheated, cheated a lot. Or, and then, yeah. then Picasso, same thing. Or like, I, I just mean, and the Dalai Lama apparently is, can be a giant asshole. I mean, cause he's human, yeah. right? That's the problem right. is that right. they're also human. But if you could harness the, Yes, the drive to lead. I mean, I guess that's why they create all these fucking schools, Waldorf and fucking Montessori <laughs> right, right, right. and yeah. whatever, Steiner, Rudolph, you know, like to try to get kids to harness that. It's just that I think as humans, it's all, we're always going to live also in opposite land, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you have this charismatic leader. They also happen to be a womanizer or whatever. I I don't know. Yeah, it's a great, we need to go to camp, camp when we're young and yes. like for a long time and just be like, okay, like leader, you know, like people look to people like JFK, you know, not junior JFK as a leader, but he was also kind of, you know, such a narcissist. And so, so it's like, what in the hell? What in the hell? Well, I'll tell you something. The way that science has progressed in terms of DNA sequencing it it's not long before if you want to you can know this about your child in yes. utero and yes. and that will breed some interesting yes. helpful it really research. will it will it yeah. will and know like yeah if you if your child is more genetically predisposed to being a sociopath or even a psychopath i mean what do you do and where do they go to school and what kind of meds do they take and is that is that something we want to start regulating really young and i don't know man i don't know but it, you're right i think we're gonna it's gonna 
it's going to be breed some real interesting shit. Yes, real interesting shit. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Kate McKiernan. Kate is someone who went to the theater school at DePaul University with us, and we had a delightful time catching up with her. Kate is part of the Androcles and the Lion final performance story. If you follow along with the podcast, you know this story, and she's the missing piece. Um, She's hilarious, she's irreverent, and um, she's a blast. So please enjoy our conversation with Kate McKiernan such a weird one every time it comes <laughs> up we, we've heard it from you'll be like the sixth person's perspective oh which is God. kind of cool to get i haven't heard it from other people too oh so we'll it's really interesting <laughs> it's a because we heard it from stephanie who okay the, the, yes the role that you had yes. from Boz, obviously um from like at least one person who was on crew uh who remembers that as a magical you know, the person who brought it up hadn't listened to any of our podcasts. It was just like, oh, and this one time was on crew and this crazy thing happened. And <laughs> we will get into it. But Kate McKiernan, congratulations. You survived theater school. Oh, my Yay! God. I can't even believe it. You did, though. <laughs> you really did. And I love, I mean, obviously our listeners won't see this, but your background, like your house, where you live looks so cool. I, it's it's curated so that everything cool is in like one oh. vision spot. <laughs> it looks like you live in this poli- like crazy like artist studio, like huge lofty artist studio. Yeah, always always put an easel behind you. It makes you look artist. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hot tip. Pro tip. <laughs> I love that. So, Kate, uh, was it? When you decided to go to a conservatory, was that something that you that you did intentionally? I mean, many of our guests kind of happened into a theater school experience. Some, but some of some people had it in mind from from a young age. What about you? Well, I was obsessed with going to a conservatory, mm. um, but I had zero experience. I'd never taken an acting class. I'd never, you know, like I had nothing to base this obsession on, <laughs> except for maybe episodes of I Fame. I was going to say, did you watch um, Fame as a... Well, obviously. Jesse was, was my jam. I was in love. Yeah. Oh, man. The keyboardist, uh, Bruno. Bruno. So I'm a nerd. Um <laughs> But yeah, like, I I don't know, I, so I had to convince my parents that this was even a thing. And then, like, and my mother was completely like, I don't, I think you should go to law school. And I was like, I feel like it's early for that. Um, (laughs) You're like 12. But my dad... Yeah, exactly. My dad, on the other hand, like, kind of surprised me and had bought, bought me a ticket with him to Chicago for the big audition scenario. And I was like, oh my, oh, oh, okay. So I guess I should probably learn a monologue. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so like, I, like my dad kind of was like my secret, you know, champion. And there's a, there's a picture of you and him, right? That you posted from a post theater school show on Facebook. That's really quite beautiful. I hope you've sent it to us. Please send it to us if you have Oh yeah. Okay. I'll send that It is really beautiful. Is your father still around? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Um, Yeah. Good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like, 
he he was I, I didn't believe I could do it and I mom got on board sure. you know just just in yeah. case she's listening <laughs> um, <laughs> where are you from Kate where did you have to travel from to go to Colorado Chicago? Springs Colorado oh. um so nobody went to theater school from Colorado Springs Colorado <laughs> but, lit- but, but literally uh, fame but there had to be some origin story for your obsession. Was it fame or was there something else that made you want I mean, to act? I had been in, I had been doing all of the shows in school since the get like in third grade, there was a talent show. And I said that I wanted to be the MC because I had more stage time. Oh. Like, so I like, <laughs> um, I did forensics competitive speaking in high school um which the theater school did not enjoy um oh. competitiveness in, what do you mean? like everybody because I talked about forensics a lot um the professors were um kind of like snobby like, had it in their mind well they had it in their mind that I was like that I was doing acting as like a competitive sport oh. and they're like and 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 I'm sure that they probably saw something that I didn't but I was like I don't think I'm doing that but okay but also but I think like, there's like a like a the um what I've noticed is that to- a lot of our guests have done forensics and it, it really mm-hmm. propelled them to want to go to the theater school and yep. my understanding is that the conservatory teachers think that forensics is like less than in a way, not all oh, of them, sure. but like some. So like they have a whole like, well, that was high school speech team. This is the big leagues. And you're like, okay, but yeah. So well, but I think that, but I think that forensics opened up my eyes to a national thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, there's other people that like to do what I do. And so I bet you there's a school. <laughs> so, but at the same time, we're also like, if you're doing humorous and terp, you're doing the, oh, like switching your it's head like from show side choir. to choir. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so the, I can see where that they're like, uh, we don't do that here. <laughs> right. Right. But it opened up your eyes. Like, I think a lot of people would not end up at DePaul theater school if they yeah. didn't do forensics. And so they yeah. actually should be real grateful for forensics. But, yeah. and I, I should have done for like, I, when I hear people talk about forensics, I'm, I'm so longing. I should have participated because it sounds like it was really fun for you. Well, yeah, absolutely. And there's like part of me that's like, should I join Toastmasters as a 47 year old woman? Yes, um, you should. <laughs> you should teach Toastmasters. But, I'm afraid. <laughs> I loved that whole scenario. I loved just like, like walking in and like doing the stuff and like winning the awards. So, um, which is exactly what the professors hated. So, <laughs> but, but, but it must have been a one a one eighty that your experience of doing performance from that versus day one lay on the floor and loll your tongue around in your mouth. Was I had no idea what I was in for. I had zero. I had gotten a coach for my audition. So, like one of the local actors from the fine arts center or whatever. Um, helped me like put together Ella Mazzanieri and A. My Name Is Alice, right? Oh, so, um, <laughs> yeah. so like like th- these old old like kind of cliche monologues, and um, and so I show up. It's I like first of all I get accepted, which is out of like out of left field. 
Um, and, and I auditioned for like eight schools and applied to like 12 because that's me. Um, and so I got accepted and I was like, this is ridiculous. Nobody from Air Academy High School has gone to theater conservatory ever. Um, and so, and I showed up and I, I mean, like the first day I was attacked by Saffron Hanky and like, and, and, and she's just like such an artist. And I'm like, oh, I might have made a very terrible <laughs> mistake. Well, wait, wait, do you, did you get it? Like, how did you choose DePaul? I chose DePaul because two of my friends went to North Central and Northwestern. So I was like, so I have people in Naperville and Evanston, which turns out like is far um, when like you're 18 in Lincoln Park um, <laughs> in 1993 to whatever. So, um, so yeah, that like, but it was, I, I was like, they went to Chicago. So that's where Chicago. Okay. That was smart. You, yeah. It, that was smart. Like, I think, you know, you had support. Yeah, and Ithaca was, was out in the boonies and I didn't want to be in the boonies. I wanted to be in a city. Um, and Pepperdine like was another mm. option. And, um, and part of me is like, I really missed the boat on Pepperdine. Oh, um, why? Why? Because of LA? Because I ended up in LA anyway. Oh. And like, it's a, it's kind of like, and it was more like, uh, it wasn't a conservatory. So it was much more like, which I could have maybe used. <laughs> yeah. I always say I had no idea where Afghanistan was when I graduated college. Like I could tell you where my <laughs> soft palate could take me, but if you asked me yeah. about the Middle East, you know, uh, conflict, can... I'd be like, um, Middle East, Illinois. I I can vibrate <laughs> through the middle of my eyes, right. but <laughs> if you asked me about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we're in real trouble. So anyway, okay, right. so no, for yeah. sure, like real life, but also like also like I could have worked and auditioned in LA and been going to school. You know what I mean? Like all of those things that I I just anyway um, paths not taken. But um, but Chicago was this big city and this urban environment. And I was like, this is absolutely what I want to do. But did so, you do 12 auditions? I did. Let's see. Six. I did. Yeah. I walked on to Carnegie Mellon. I did SMU. I did Ithaca. Oh, my God. Uh, you didn't just apply to school schools. You auditioned for uh, <laughs> Carnegie yeah. Mellon. Intense, yeah. right? Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. It was like jumping through hoops. And um, I didn't get into Carnegie Mellon because I think halfway through I was just like exhausted. And Paul was the first one to accept me, too. So I was like. And did you there. do your same two monologues for all the all the places? OK. Yeah, I did a, some I did. I did a Shakespeare monologue and I like I had other stuff in my toolkits that was smart but, uh, that was smart you know yeah. the smartest people i know have had more than two monologues i did not and so when art at harvard <laughs> asked me uh -huh. do you have another something else we could see i literally mm -hmm. said no but i could tell, no. tell you some jokes it did not <laughs> i did not get in there anyway the point is you were prepared girl you had it down i was really i was i think possibly i've never been prepared since um <laughs> you said that you that's you you applied to 12 schools that made me think that you're mrs go-getter like always really prepared always 
No, I'm just, I'm just always building the next net. Oh, <laughs> yeah. interesting. So I'm always, I'm there's, there's the backup plan and then the backup to the back to the backup plan. Oh, um, okay. but, uh, but it turns out that none of those work. So, oh. um, I don't recommend that as a lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, say more about that. What do you mean? Well, because like, I, like the things, the big things that happen to you, you could never expect in your entire life. You know what I mean? Or the big things that you were a part of, or the big things that, you know, like that they're going to come from behind and hit you in the back of the head. They're, you're, there's no like planning. Mm, there's no prepare. So, you can't really be prepared for a lot yeah. of the big stuff, but would you say you're yeah. a risk taker? I think that, um, I think that I try to do the brave thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that like, if I would, if I were to think about it in my mind of like, let's take this risk, I'd probably be, Ooh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but Ooh, I'm going to be brave and do that. When I think of you, I, for some reason, my first thought is that you're like uh, all about Shakespeare. Did I make that up or? No, no. Well, I mean, I was the, um, cause I went to Shakespeare and company. One of you went to Shakespeare and company. Austin, um, yeah. yeah. So, so like, so I was, so Christine Adair and thank God. Yeah. So thank, and, and I know that like people have diff vastly differing opinions on Christine, but um, I was very lost at theater school. Like I never got cast correctly or not correctly. I never got cast. Um, <laughs> and like, I just felt like I didn't know where I was and I didn't know how like to even like cast myself in, I couldn't figure out what I even wanted. And, um, and I just got a wild hair and I asked Christine about, um, about Shakespeare and company. And I went between my third and fourth year. Um, and thank God, I mean, it saved me from hating acting. Um, cause I just felt like a failure constantly. Um, and so, but I went to Shakespeare and company and they're like, you're brilliant. Yeah. What did you do there? What shows did you do there? So I only did the intensive, um, I, cause I didn't have enough money to stay. So I like, and like Christine had wheedled me into some sort of like financial aid deal. And so like, I, I like, <laughs> um, I drove out there and like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, yeah, Joseph drove me to Shakespeare and company. And then I like was there for four weeks and, you know, it's intense. The intensive yeah. is intense. Um, and like we had a, a running tally on the wall of who like who had made it the longest amount of hours without crying. Mm. But uh, but yeah, like and then I ended up kind of hitching a ride with one of the other women that was with me back to Columbus and then like caught a train like I like I was literally on the cheap. And then I had like three jobs when I got back. So I only did the intensive. So you say day one, Saffron charges you. You're saying, oh, wow, this is maybe I'm not like enough of an artist for this place. Is that what it was? It felt too artsy mm -hmm. yeah. for me? Well, I know it just felt like um, people had um, actually acted before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so right. it, like it was very, um, very low bar. Uh, I, I and And but people had ideas and theories about acting and I was like oh I memorize lines so mm -hmm. 
that's going to be a thing. I mean, you're not um, alone. And we've had so many guests that have said the same thing that like, they thought acting was like literally, I don't remember who it was said they thought it was just memorizing your lines and walking out on stage, remembering your blocking and then speaking the lines. And that was it. Like that was the whole yeah. crap. I think that was you and me, Boz. I think both of us. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what I thought. I didn't no. know, but anyway, so you, you, we were in that but maybe boat. with some, but maybe with some like, like spirit fingers, you know, what I mean? like, I add add some, some enthusiasm yes, behind right, those lines right. and then throw me into, you know, improv first year and I'm like oh no <laughs> this space in hand no 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 this is terrible and I was surrounded by people who just were like like flourishing you know like and um I mean Kat Phillips is like one of the most talented improvers in the history of the world and um and so like I'll, like all of these people were like this is my calling and I'm like oh this is the worst thing I've ever done. You know what you're making me realize I've never asked anybody it, it cuz it does seem like there's those who loved improv and were good at it and those who hated it because they weren't good at it but I've never asked anybody is it because you just didn't like improv you know is it because you just didn't see what was everybody was so excited about? No, I think I loved improv, but I, but the failure, the constant like mess ups mm. and, and like, I'm already somebody who doesn't like that feeling. And so that was very difficult for me that I've never had a class that I couldn't figure out. Oh. And mm. so the challenge of something so ephemeral too, something that you can't like pin down and do in a certain way to make it right, quote unquote. Like, so I don't think that I hated improv. In fact, I like, I went on to do improv and love stuff and like, but at, like that year was about me learning to fail. And I think that that was scarier than anything. Yeah. Who was your teacher? Was it Rick or David or? No, it was Ab Polly. Oh, Ab yeah, Polly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was David. Okay. Yeah. And did you feel like you got the hang of it? Like when did, did it shift or did you always? No, I mean, I think David, like, I, th I think David finally acknowledged that I could do it in like, like when he, when we were working out in LA, like, Ooh, <laughs> oh. like, like, I, like, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure that David was like on the front end of getting me cut. So, um, but oh, you did. Also, you got cut? Huh? No, no, I got, but I got oh. warned that year. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, um, and so I'm pretty sure that it was that, like, that was where I was the most at a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so, and I, and the more that I stressed about it, the worse you right. are. Right. It's it. the worst. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah. how can I literally, how can I? please Rick Murphy and do this improv in a way that's going to get yeah. me praise. And that would always, it never worked. It backfired. Mm. It was the weird, it's one no. of those things where like the less shits you give, the more praise you get in some ways, sometimes. Well, and so, and I think that like, at, like there were a lot of people, like, obviously there, there were, there were lovers and haters of David. And, but like, for me, I, I got so frightened that all I wanted to do was just blend into the chalkboard. And so, and that's not helpful either. 
Um, and so like, I, I, there were moments that I felt like I got it that were just enough to keep me going. And then my other classes that like other classes were so much better for me. And then, you know, and then second year I had Don who is like my person. So, mm -hmm. so that like every single time I thought I was just about to leave or fall on my face or whatever it was, something would pick me up. Mm -hmm. so, it, so you said you, you didn't get cast in things. I mean, this is a evergreen topic here. Oh my God. Everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> what was the nature of, did you feel like uh, you were just getting small parts or you were miscast? I mean, I was only in one main stage and, um, and, and I had like, and I had pretty good casting, but I was like the trooper. I was always like, oh, well, Kate will do it. I mean, one of you was in Orgasmo too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was the best. Um, <laughs> What's so... your memory of that? I'd love to know what your memory of that was because I'm so stuck inside of the walls of my own memory of it that I don't... Because it, we because we had no connection to each other. I mean, like, can you... I don't... I, the only reason I know that is because I think you've mentioned it. But, yeah. like, the... I don't remember anybody in the cast. My, yeah. Mine was that 30 minute monologue where I had a baby. Like I literally had a baby on stage wearing a unitard. Wait, like, wait, you were wearing a unitard or the baby was wearing a yes. unitard. Oh, okay. I had, well, I had a mimed baby on stage. It was horrific. And you're wearing um, a unitard. That's quite something. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why? Yep. Why the unitard? I, I, why do you got to wear a unitard? I don't know whose choice. I honestly, no, I, don't know I know it's just so it weird. It very well, could have been mine. No, I bet my... it wasn't your choice. Nobody chooses to wear a unitard, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, but I, we also it's like a memorizing hell because it was like these forty-minute monologues, mm -hmm. and okay, like so. I remember just like, I, I just remember running around maniacally around the stage, trying to remember the lines, trying to, and cause I basically, the way that I, that, that it was Jay, wasn't it? Jay Skelton? No. Dan, was it? Dan Tauby. Oh yeah. Did you get notes from him ever? <laughs> okay. No. I, like, I never got one single note from him. No, no, no. I, I basically moved around the stage into so that I could, remember my lines based on yes, where I was on the I've stage. done that where it's like okay and so yeah like I because I couldn't I couldn't remember <laughs> the lines and <sighs> um I always have issues with memorization anyway because like it's always a sign for me that I'm not in the role um if I can't remember it um mm. and 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 when I, and and if I find flow then I will never forget the lines mm. but um but but that show, I don't know if I, I mean. So what would you have liked to have played? Like, do you remember like, oh my gosh, I would love to have been cast as. Oh man. I mean. It doesn't even have to be specific plays, but like kinds of roles. Like who are you dying? What kind of role were you dying to well, play? I don't even think that, I, I don't even think that I understood that I, that like, that fabulous is what I wanted to play until I graduated from school. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and so 
and that those are impossible roles <laughs> but that's what like so I had this grain in my head that I that I that that it was like glamour oh and like movie like, star like you wanted to play a movie yeah like yeah. well I want I was I was broken that I wasn't in the women oh right and um because I was like but this is my thing mm. like and old Hollywood and like this, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the idea of what that meant. Do you see? Like, um, I, I didn't have the idea of what those characters actually did. Sure. Um, and Shakespeare was the obvious choice for me because you get all of that like deep drama um, and like, you know, screaming from the rafters (laughs) yeah so you want it sounds like like you wanted like intense visceral like um Mm -hmm. there's no holds barred kind of acting situation okay yeah yeah but like but i don't know but not i don't know yeah but you probably didn't know like we were kids right no well and i had never had any experience whatsoever in life let alone in um I mean, which showed in my social life. What does that mean? <laughs> my like my the my college social life was nothing but drama. Like it was very dramatic. Really? Who knew? Oh, yeah. I never I, knew I, that I, like, about I, you. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> you mean so, like with like with relationships and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, that's like, exciting. So I really remember more about my social life in college than some of the like class stuff. For sure. Well, that's how you survived it, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah, I guess. But wait, I, can I mean, you tell us, like, what kind? You don't have to talk about people if you don't want, but like, what was the <laughs> dynamic of the drama? Because that's fascinating. Because I, 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 like, there was just a lot of there was just a lot of cheating and relationship stuff and and meetings where people had to talk about their feelings and Ooh. yeah, like, yeah. It was, there was just a lot of drama. And I would say there was, if I had translated some of the drama that I purported, that I like built outside of the theater school into what I was doing in the theater school, I might've been more successful. (laughs) I feel like I had zero drama. Buzz, did you have any drama? No, like just, I like, no, I like, I like remember i stole this girl's pants that was like the end of my that was like where it started and began like the christine crociata's pants but like i didn't have you know what it it, maybe you were really i mean wanted by by in relationships i was not wanting i I think people desired you kate i think that was the thing i don't think i think that is i think that's extreme (laughs) um Like, it sounds like you were actually fun and, like, people wanted to be around you kind of a situation. Maybe, maybe. But I also was, like, kind of willing to do anything and mess things up on purpose. So that might have been, like, magnetic in a way. Yeah, sure. People love that. um, Yeah. Like, I'm like, hey, I'll mess that up. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Ooh, interesting. I wish you could say more about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> offline, offline. Yeah, offline. But like, um, is that a pat, like uh, a pattern or like something you've had to work with of like trying to sabotage well, or create drama? And you've had- I had to, I had to, to learn to stop that after theater school. Okay. <laughs> like I had to, to, and that, and that in itself, I think was a personal process for sure. Sure. Um, like 
I, I just, I worked out being unpopular in high school, in theater school, uh, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and, right. Like, and so I, like, I, my, my, my nickname in high school is literally Kate the Dateless Wonder. And Whoa. Like, I, I may have overcompensated. Okay, <laughs> so, got it, got it. Well, good. I mean, good. You have to go the other direction. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so what besides Orgasma? What other yeah. shows were you in? Um, so let's see, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah, that was the main um, stage show, right? That was the one. Yeah, that was the one main stage I did, and that was Dawn. Um, and yeah, and it was and it was a, such a it was a great show. And Zach was Prince Charming, and Gretchen was Sleeping Beauty, and I was like the Fritania, the bad. Fairy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, uh, so yeah, that was, that was a very, very fun show to do. I got to blow up, you know, 75 times or whatever, which was great. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then let's see. What did you love about Don Ilko? Oh, like how was he your he person? Was, well, he taught me, first of all, he taught, um, like, <laughs> Good, yeah. And I know that that sounds so basic, no. but he specific to me, he taught me about intention. He taught me about taking a script and pulling it apart and finding what you need. And like, like very rote things that I could hold on to that, that, and he was kind of the old school acting teacher. He was very much the, the hit, hit your mark and be there on the night. And like, and I, that worked for me like that because he's, his whole point was you can't find the authenticity without deep understanding of what you want. And for me, that made perfect sense. And, um, and he always was, uh, I mean, he was just as mean as everybody else, you know, the, mm. yeah. <laughs> But, but, um, like, and David never yelled at me and, but, and, but everybody always felt that I was holding something back and like all, a lot of other professors, like all, all of the voice department. Um, well, they always and, think everybody's holding shit back. I mean, they're, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I am. I just don't think I have any shit. Um, <laughs> um, which is its own problem. But but Don really had that that way of speaking to me personally that I felt supported and I felt like I was in on the joke, and I think that that was also something that was really important to me. I felt like I that that on the that I I didn't get it a lot of times, and he made me felt feel like I I that we communicated in a way that was funny and supportive in even when he was telling me that what I was doing was terrible right it worked for you like I, I feel like mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is that he gave you practical tools and a, a language to use that made made you feel a little less lost at the theater school and I think that that's really sure. really important really important for sure so that you had something to work with I mean, he even in Lincoln Park Foods after a, or Orgasmo Adulto, he screamed across three aisles. He was like, that naked play you did, really good job. Oh, oh. Like, so sweet. Everybody in the grocery store is like, Oh, yeah. that's so <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
<laughs> so what did you do right after you graduated? What were, what did you go to LA right away? Well, um, I mostly messed up, um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I ended up staying here. I got a whole bunch of leads in uh, Los Angeles. And then at I the ended showcase? up staying here. At the showcase, you were mm -hmm. like meetings and stuff? Yeah, hey. yeah. And so, I, I mean, not like our class did really well. I mean, all of us were like, I was driving the car with Jen and Zach and Mike and like every, and like we were minute to minute going to meetings. We had to share meetings because that we had to go so many places. So mm -hmm. like, um, and I mean, I got two or two, I think, or something, but that was a lot. And, and, um, and the first thing that I did was like, cool, I'll be right there and waited six months. Oh. <laughs> like an, idiot <laughs> why why did you do that I'm, I'm sure it had to do with a guy I'm but the it was yeah. I I I didn't I didn't know that you could do that you could just move you know and I also thought that I because I had this I had this very early thought like that I was never going to make it until I was at least 35 like the roles that I wanted, the the things that I wanted to do were older roles, were were more mature, and that I wasn't an ingenue, and so I had all this extra time. I don't know where this came from. <laughs> right, right, because what because what you experience is you go to LA, right, and they're like, "You're an ingenue. We want to cast you. Yeah. We would love for yeah. you to be, you know, Kate Hudson." And so come yeah. on out, and you're like, "Just a second, I, I'm gonna just yeah. sit over don't here." Worry. That's fantastic. I'm going to do a couple. Fantastic. I'm going to do some really, really shitty plays Isn't that in amazing? Um, I mean, I'm just stunned by by that. And, and, and just because we all do it in different ways. It's like, yeah. you want me? You think that I'm going to be a millionaire and you're going to help me. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to do yeah. um, Waiting for Godot in my garage for like <laughs> six months. And then I'll be back. <laughs> Hold on. It'll be fine. It will be fine. Yeah. You're yeah. like, this is not on my sabotage timeline. Right. I <laughs> thank you. This is well, I just well, and I also wanted to be out of school, I think, like so badly that I didn't want to rush to any to do anything because I had felt so like it, I mean, it took me another year before I took another class. And you need to take class right away. Like and like, so I, I feel like I just, I took a vacation <laughs> instead of sure, sure. <laughs> tightening the bolts of the ship. Right. So are you saying that in the six months you, you squandered whatever opportunity you had going mm -hmm. into it? I see. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I like basically the manager that I met with and, and I, and I flew back out to LA at the end of June and met with the manager that I, that I liked and. And he's like, we'll just put you on ER and get you your SAG card. And I was like, fantastic. <laughs> Didn't do it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I was in the, I was in an elevator with Tom Selleck. What could be more convincing? Well, how do you make sense of it now? I mean, is it, is it literally just, I, I was sabotaging something or do you, do you have? No, any I think that, I think that I was, I, I, I had z like, I had no, um, thought about it like 
it was something things kept happening like financially or whatever what have you like or or like I was just like I'm just gonna make a little bit more money sure. and then I'm gonna go here and then like I, it just things just kept happening right so and, so like life stuff came up that was like yeah, I'll get to LA I'll get to LA but it like but none of it looking back was important enough to stay in Chicago sure like um but it but at the time it seemed like oh well I'll figure it out so for 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 I totally can relate and then looking back for me like underneath was a profound Mm -hmm. terror of being special and wanted and famous and I don't know if that if you have that at all no I think that that was absolutely true I think that but but I think that that the I think that fear of success also had a social aspect for me okay like I didn't know where I fit in with the the world as a whole mm. and, and and especially like in my friend group and I mean because like my whole class was like by the time I got there in January like there were like 15 of us holy shit in LA holy shit that's a yeah. lot of people that moved yeah. okay there were so many people and um so you finally went out to LA, LA. you finally came here or, I mean came out oh here. yeah I got there in Jan yeah I got there in January instead of June it, it, and so literally it was six months um but uh but yeah and then it was and then it was having a good time because success would have taken um work and self-confidence that I didn't want to work on so, so what did you end up doing without being when you're out there? <laughs> so I um God, I I worked at the Stinkin' Rose yeah. for a little bit. Um, <laughs> um but then I became oddly enough, I be, I worked at Bloomingdale Century City and somebody from the cosmetics department adopted me and I became a makeup artist. So like that I spent 10 years in cosmetics. Um more than that 12 years and and then doing theater on the side and writing on the side and um like auditioning here and there getting an agent like then not committing to doing anything about it and then losing said agent and then getting another one is is your thought of acting all done now or where are you at with it acting comes back to me Um, whenever I need it, kind of. I mean, when I separated from my husband and moved to Chicago, I took a second city class and it fixed me. Do you know what I mean? Like it, like it, it is like a salve that I can always go to. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a writer now, but like, and I think that as you have posited a million times, why was I acting? Um, but like, I think that writing is hard and acting is, um, connection and uh ensemble which makes gets my extrovert all soothed sure mm-hmm. so but you mm-hmm. know what I'm, um, wait can i just pause and say i know that you you say why was i acting but i'm just fascinated by having external people saying you're good right because you came to la you did your monologues and people were like you're fucking good i want to meet with you and help you become an actor but thinking that it wasn't i guess i'm just wondering like what didn't work for you about acting? Nothing. I I just thought that it was going to be served on a platter. Oh, I can totally agree. <laughs> okay, I get. I understand. I thought that 
I thought that I would show up and there was no work. Right. Understood. (laughs) Like, like that, that, that all of a sudden, like it would just, somebody would call somebody and then I would get the phone call. Understood. And like, and I've, and like, (laughs) that's, that is pure Leo. Um, but like, I like, I am one of those, I, I forget that you have to do, make an effort. Right. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn that over like, the, especially in the last 10 years, I would say, like, what do you want to do? You know, you have to make an effort to do it. Yeah. As the parent of two Leo children, I'm deeply frightened of what you've just told I me. I know, but is it true? Uh, I mean, my God, like, okay, well, this is giving me, okay, maybe this is why I'm having this problem. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, but I was going to say, it's also just, a, 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 and this is not a, I don't mean this as an insult, but it's also kind of an immaturity thing that oh, we all sure. expected. Yeah. You know, like we, we talked to so many people who say they had meetings and then the people would say, when are you moving to LA? And they'd say, when I have a reason to move to LA. Mm-hmm. And then they'd say, okay, we'll call us when you, when you, when you get here. And, and that li- so many people we just all did it. didn't yeah. know that you, sh- that what you should have said was uh, I'm moving tomorrow. Right. tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And tomorrow and- I'm selling my futon because we had nothing. Why? Like yeah. moving now is a pain in the right. ass. Right. But like, <laughs> I know. And I, you know what? It's not that I, I, I'm like theater school is evil, but I think it would have been really, it would have behooved us to have someone say, Hey, here's the languaging when, because it's yeah. a really, it's a dance. It's a dating thing. If someone says, yeah. we love your work. When are you moving from Chicago? If you want to be a professional actor, you say, I move next week please start sending me out great but we didn't know that and like i was saying at shakespeare and company carrie grant's daughter jennifer grant told me i love Mm -hmm. your work i would like you to meet my agent you know what i told her i'm not interested in meeting your agent because i do theater in chicago now that is what i literally said to this Uh woman who looked Uh at me she was a seasoned la actress her mom's diane cannon and looked at me and said yeah okay and walked away what Alicia Silver- fuck is wrong with me <laughs> alicia silverstone was in my, my was in my intensive and was like you can stay with me in la anytime <sighs> right i know look i i i know we just didn't we didn't what? get it what? man we didn't get it <laughs> and look if it, i don't know if you believe things happen for a reason but you know it, it maybe we would have i would have overdosed on carrie grant daughter's couch i don't know i don't know but but really but just, like but really <laughs> but really i i just like the amount of um that can't be true also like well that can't be true like (laughs) right right but but again and I think that the theater school set us up for um for general auditions for like theaters in Chicago that's it right like like in terms of in terms of like training us to do anything outside of conservatory no we had no we 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 really were were behind the ball right like 
but but I worked in Jane's office. I knew what casting even looked like. What? So I like yeah. Wow. So like yeah, like she figured out that I knew how to do computers well, and so I was like redoing some stuff on computers and like teaching people how to like like Submit. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like this was in the dark ages. Sure. And um and and so I knew how casting worked like right and even that and i like and i met with like the head of of cbs blah blah, blah in la wow. and i was like oh i work for i work for jane um sometimes and she was like you need to stop otherwise you'll be a casting agent and oh meaning like that's all people will see you as or or well that's but oh, no it just that like then you're not an actor anymore. Sure. Like if you go to the casting thing. Right. So I stopped working for Jane, but didn't act. Like, <laughs> right. Just, you just you look, know. you, you, it sounds like the parts of what I'm like, I'm hearing is like, we have these parts of ourselves, right. And you just hadn't like braided them together. So there was like the part that wanted to be an actor and there was a part that didn't want to do the work. And there was a part that, that was really committed, but didn't look, you just didn't figure it out. You just hadn't figured it no. out. And it, we were, and also like, I, I was 21 when I graduated college. Like I'm like, I, who am I? No, right. I was still just this pile of, sure. of whatever. Right. So like, I, 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 I don't, I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't like, I don't sit up at night like, Oh God, what have I done? Sure. Um, <laughs> but it is, but it is really funny how like, I like I just literally waved at things as they passed me by <laughs> oh what a great what a great image just, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, love you too so you have to so you have to tell us your your version oh. of the Hercules and the Lions okay so this was this was the craziest thing that had ever and maybe to this day has ever happened to me um I so my roommate was Chris Freeberg, who was the stage manager of Vanderpool's and the Lion. Okay, and um and Chris and I had, had like had been best pals, so I got I was in on a lot of like the tech side of things because of Chris. Um, like you know I got to be like the 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 person that hands out the trophies at at uh, the gala things like that because I was friends with all those people. Um, and so um um. Uh, so I'm asleep and Chris blows into my room and is like, get on the phone. And I'm like, I don't where I don't even know. Don is on the phone and he goes, you're in Androcles and the lion today. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Oh no, no. I don't think that's a great idea at all. And he's like, Stephanie is sick. You have, you have to, you you're playing the role. It's closing. It's the last show. It's the last show. It's the last show. You literally had, wait, 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 I have this, I have this, you woke up out of a sleep into mm -hmm. the actor's nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In you a show, don't, don't yeah. know the lines. Yeah. You okay. don't know the lines. Um, <laughs> Chris, Chris is like, I will be in your ear. I've never used a, I've never used a headset before in my life. I, I'm like, okay, well, if Chris is in my ear, I will figure this out. Like she throws the script onto my bed. And she's just like, start looking. And I'm like, I don't think that this is a great idea. Um, but also, 
I'm so flattered. Sure. Like sure. my ego is on fire. Sure. Like, and so I'm like, okay. And Don is asking me personally to, okay. <sighs> This can only go wrong, right? <laughs> but it went so right, I have to say. But go ahead. No, because it was the most. But, but I, so I get out of bed. I look. The script is huge. It's a big like script. it was a. Mm-hmm. It was like an hour and twenty minutes. Yep. Like it was not a short play. Um, and luckily I was attached to someone for most of the show. Me. Um, <laughs> it's true. Literally, we were handcuffed together. I know yeah. on the ship. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I, I get out of bed, I, Chris and I get in the car, like immediately to go to the theater, because I'm going to get on the set and I'm going to like walk to, and Don is going to meet me there and he's going to walk me through. And as soon as the cast arrives, everybody's going to walk me through it. And so, cause, so everybody got a call, I think Uh to come early. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> and also Stephanie is like not my size. Like she's she is like five foot eleven and like so they like they're taking huge clips and clipping me into this costume and um around this headset that so what was his name? What was what was Androcles' name? He was a real jerk. He that doesn't like, shock me. He was downstairs. We went downstairs into the lower lobby to run lines, and he was like, "I don't even know why we're doing this. I think we should cancel the show. You can't even keep up. You don't even know the lines." Like he like not helpful. He not ruined, helpful. He ruined me, and I was like, "Oh, I can't cry right now." <laughs> okay. So then Chris and I were practicing with the headset, even in the car. And what we figured out is that I could get, I could learn half the line. Like I would hear half the line and then I would have to start speaking. So the second half of the line was always going to be a little up in the air um, because it takes like years of practice to get the newscaster thing to listen, understand, and then Oh, it's a skill people go to school for, Kate. Teleprompter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, ear prompt. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and, and let's be, let's be clear. I'm not much of a listener. So, like, so I'm like, okay, the, I, I, like, it's all a blur. Everybody's super helpful. Pat, uh, Patrick Felton was in it, right? Yes. He was one of the okay. soldiers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause he kept on going, you're good. Um, like, like I, like, so there's all these like, like people and and Don is basically like, don't like he tells everybody that 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 to come together basically yeah. like and and says says we're just gonna sh- do this show and like and it's and Kate is here to hold the place but we're gonna do the show nice and I'm like aces that sounds like a deal to me yep <laughs> um. And we, and I mean, like, it was this, uh, this, the, the most invigorating, terrifying hour and a half of my life. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) 
as somebody said later i don't even remember the princess was just real stupid that's right that performance that's right they a kid <laughs> a like, kid said that a kid said yeah. at the talk back i mean the princess was so dumb and it was <laughs> i'm like perfect because i smiled a lot yeah I, I remember you did a I great was, i was job. very funny <laughs> Remember, I messed up the amount of doubloons or whatever. I don't and remember that. Like, I just remember you really being a fucking trooper, like you said, man. Like a fucking like, trooper. The amount of errors. That entire scene when we are like lashed to the mast of a ship. Yeah. You did the both lines. You did. You might be thinking, blah 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 blah. Well, my response would be, blah 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 blah. And then you might say. <laughs> Like you did both lines. I remember like having so minutes. much fun. Like I just, I just was like, okay, it's the last show. What the? Let's just go for it. I had a blast. It's also there's, kids involved, you know. Like there's twelve hundred kids. It was in packed. The it was a full house. Packed. Packed. Um. Like, I thought I, it went the, really well. I just thought you did a I, really good job. I was like, this is like a Saturday Night Live is what it is like. What if, I mean, thank God you were there. Like, honestly, like what, I, I don't know <laughs> what would have happened. And, and the second half of every line was like, don't know. It was like, <laughs> question, like, da, 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 da. <laughs> I was like, great. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it, so it ends up being such an interesting, like, really metaphor for the launch from theater school into professional life, because, it, yeah. you know, at some point, it's the training part is over, and it's pushing you out on stage and saying, you, you just have to do it. And, it, you know, and you'd, and, and, you know, for, for a while, I thought it was unfair of Don to not cancel but yeah. i understand a little bit more now about why he didn't a there's 1200 kids coming b it's the final performance and that's apparently that's when all the faculty came mm -hmm. to to watch it and see like the show must go on everybody knows that you you you've you've got to to go forward and it, it turns out to have been in some ways probably a really important exercise for everybody who was involved yeah and I really think Kate, it showed for me, it showed you that he trusted you, right? And that yeah. you could deal with adversity and do hard things and do it really well. And also, yeah, you just, you just went for it. Well, and I think that, that there is that, like, there's that mental block where you've got this huge wall in front of you and like, and you and you say, I'm not going to consider how to climb it. I'm going to blast through it. Mm. And you, I never knew that I had that power to to go through something terrifying mm -hmm. and like and do it anyway. <laughs> and I didn't know that I was capable of that. Um, yeah. And so that was a huge, huge deal for me. Um, and. And I think that that is that that is something that comes back in my like in my life personally in my and like like just do it and we'll see how it goes. 
you liked what you heard today, please give us a positive five-star review and subscribe and tell your friends. I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you.